Welcome to Articulate Warbling, hosted by Zach Ferguson. Edited and produced at Badger's Drift Studio. If you enjoyed this podcast, please contact us at pgttcm.com so we can make more. And let us know. We would love to make more of this show for you. And here he is, Zach Ferguson with Bob Honey by Sean Penn. And the recent cinematic release of Joker. Here we go. Bob Honey has a hard time connecting with other people, especially since his divorce. He's tired of being marketed to at every moment, sick of a world where even an orgasm isn't real until it is turned into a tweet, a paragon of old-fashioned American entrepreneurship. He's also a contract killer for an off-the-books program run by a branch of US intelligence that targets the elderly, the infirm, and others who drain this consumption-driven society of its resources. When a nosy journalist starts asking questions, Bob can't decide if it's a chance to form some sort of new friendship or the beginning of the end for him. With treason on everyone's lips, terrorism in everyone's sights, and American political life sinking to ever lower standards, Bob decides it's time to make a change. If he doesn't get killed by his mysterious controllers, or exposed in the rapacious media first. A thunderbolt of provocative words and startling images, Bob Honey Who Just Do Stuff marks the fiction debut of one of, one of America's most acclaimed artists. So, whether or not you're a fan of Sean Penn, of whom's exploits and political agendas and, uh, as such, how the media has portrayed him, his engagements, his kookiness, the almost avant-garde sensibilities, performance arts, ways that Penn has been showcasing himself. He has been personifying himself as a real alter-driven creator, an almost infant terrible. And I understand the hostility, the anger, the confusion. For those who have read this book and gave it a good going over, I understand. I understand that there's a hostility, there's a almost preconception, a uh, supposition. You're put in a place where you're like, is this book going to sell well based upon name? Most likely. Is it going to have sales because of the wealth and the personification of what he is? And not just the media's eyes, but what he is as an artist, a filmmaker. But Sean Penn really personifies something different here. It doesn't fucking matter this. If anything, he is showing the corruption side of things. But anyone who's read this book has a validity behind why they dislike it. Not people who, up on the release of this book a year and a half ago, those who've lynched it because they want to be part of a mindless swarm of what I feel are insecure, threatened, ignorant individuals. If you have somebody who is assumed privileged, such as Sean Penn is, because he's in a position of Hollywood and power and status, it's almost... An invalidity. You can't do anything what we're doing. We're the writers. Leave it to us. His career is based upon artistry. It's based upon creating, telling stories. No different from the artistry within a book. And there's a lot of negativity there. There's a lot of almost preconceived notions that how dare he. This is pure literature. It's not your usual sell the name to induce the fame game that type of guys. Let's use the name to continue selling an identity born from audiences and the masses who want to hear from him or born from people who want to play the blame game, who want to hold him up in the public eye. It's all part of that lynch mob mentality online. 
not given anything the benefit of the doubt and specifically if you're not of a uh, certain position where you enjoy transgressive experimental uh, not of the norm controversial fiction this isn't going to be your thing at all but it's almost as if Sean Penn is invalidated to stretch his wings have a tentrilic growth it's almost you're you're blamed for being too successful because you've achieved a, su- a succession of successes within the Hollywood prismata and frame of things. Due to your success and your money and your privilegedness, how dare you become a writer? You are taking away uh, paper. You are taking away money that should go towards us, the ignorant masses, the indie artists. And it was a lot of the indie artist community who were like, who the fuck do you think you are? But a lot of the time it was people who, of whom would never pick up a copy of this book, who would never give it a benefit of the doubt. And based upon just segmentations out of context, it, which is the norm, they would say, oh, it reads shit, this is unprofessional. Just hone it, hone in on it. Also, rein it in a little bit, ladies and gentlemen. But... As things come and go, it's the same thing. As soon as that fire was lit, like Bob Honey does with his pyrotechnics and his his savvy and his want to see everything burn, and, you know, the prose and this piece of fiction itself, it's pretty much that, burning down the conception of fame, of privilege. It's Sean Penn being political, it's being satirical, it's being what all great experimental artists and artists in general are, holding up a mirror to reality whilst warping it to such an extent that it's entertaining in its macabreness, its oddness, its phantasmagorical ridiculousness. But the truth of the matter is, what Sean Penn has created is something that, you know, a lot of the time, satire now, the authors are now known as prophets, their prophetical ways. We're living in a reality with social media, with everything overly politicised, everything in the agenda, everything nicked and picked out, everything summated and correlated to serve an overall biased, singular system of thought and a singular system of, you know, by smell content, people were going for Sean Penn, and I had loads of arguments saying you can't judge this book unless you've read it, and unless you've engaged with it, those of whom have read it and engaged with it, and they have reason to see an invalidity and see a shoddiness to it, you're, fair enough, that is your right as a reader, and as a person who's brought it, not if you've read segmentations online, or you just want to be part of that lynch hive mind mentality that I will be known and liked and be put in the swarm of this community of naysayers because it seems to be the most popular thing at this moment. It's popular to shit on this person, that person. I've been on the receiving end of this. <laughs> I haven't got the, uh, the the position of supposed privilege that Sean Penn has. And I think that's where it comes from. But a lot of people attacked and targeted this book because everyone else was doing it. And they wanted to be concurrent and part of that whole audience are there to blame blame game guys we're all in one he's not a writer how dare he put his fingers to keypads it's absolute baloney this is an artist vocalizing himself greater than the media he works in can offer at this point being in a quagmire of image and selling tickets what with being deeply entrenched in this industry the artistic individuality and nuance is lost for sean penn but with this book, I feel like it's a rediscovery, a reformation. It seems to be within himself. He's restored something. We all know Sean Penn has a political outlook. He has this uh, social and societal status. And it's almost as if you don't deserve this. You don't deserve to have this. What he's crafted is a mesmeric book. Sean Penn is experimenting with prose. 
linearity, topics in the fashion you both expect and then not so much expect. Aside from your political opinion or greater still, your overall summation on the author in question, you'll go in biased and you'll still come out biased and ranting and raving and (laughs) articulately warbling such as I. But mine isn't based upon negativity, it's about the almost fruition and natural culmination of what he is doing. It transcends the norm of the type of media and attention these forms of cosish and underground styled aesthetically pleasing transgressive novels ever get. It's garnering as such by name and status, yes, but beautifully in a play of using the medium he had so become disenchanted with and at loose ends with, it's to his and specifically to this book's intent and meaning and physical representation's advantage, his position in the media as this supposed uh, privileged um, arsehole this privileged uh, non-sequitur, this has-been, this fool. Whatever your opinion upon him, separate art from artists. It's the same thing as, I don't watch anything with Kevin Spacey in. You're invalidating the thousands of people who've gone into that. And there is a beauty and a passion to what Kevin Spacey did as an artist. But you can't write that out of history. But this was, they wanted to write Sean Penn out of history based upon biased interludes of mood to fit the social norm or the social online specifically online social status of you know what is the status quo of the hive mind what is everyone else saying they wanted to write this out of history they wanted to invalidate him and that's not fair that that's not logical it's right like and it's detrimental and he's using his position he's using this very uh triggering very easily triggered audience to make an intrigue-inducing commentary. He knows his position, he knows the reactions, and he knows that this type of fiction is very difficult to get out into public consensus. And that's how this book is even more brave, that Sean Penn has created a controversial, political, satirical, very unconventional novel, whilst having his name plastered all over it. It's a contradiction. There's an overt balancing act that is completely abolished, and there's a bomb, and it goes off... You know, it's pushing the norm, broken the social status quo and the rules put by, and it's breaking out, ushering in criticism and ignorance and making his point supple and primed. He's shooting you in the head. He's using his status and the preconceptions and <laughs> the, the litany of such characters who will obviously take against him. But what I love about this is he shows a beauty and gives it a more commercial spread width of understanding. With Sean Penn's name on this, he is getting out one of the most experimental, most intriguing, most mind-blowing piece of prose I've read in a very long time. It's hilarious, it's kooky, it's unpredictable. But because of his name, oh, it's just being sold as a Sean Penn book. No, you've got to see this from another indie artist thing. If Sean Penn is putting a book out of this calibre, more publication houses, more publishers, more literary agents will say there is a market for this. And even if down the line someone goes, it's because Sean Penn pushed it out there. Well, we should then be granted some satisfaction, us experimental artists and transgressive artists, in lieu of Sean Penn has put this book out under his name and made a a very niche, cultic type style of prose and literature. He's put this out and given it a validity and a name and almost a marketing uh, streamline and purpose. People come away and go, Sean Penn can do that. Maybe there is room for other experimental experimental artists to put their work out there. It is utterly ambitious, ambiguous and hilarious. 
It's a uniquely perverse satirical transgressors novel, but it has multiple facets of intrigue and commentary, social commentary, political commentary, but it's never so defined, it's never so worn in its sleeve that satire and transgressive fiction can suffer from. The prose is lyrical, unpredictable, and definitely, and this is what's appealing to me as an experimental artist, the repetitiousness of it all. It's hyperbolically attuned to its style and cadence, and it's an all-raw-consuming all Ballardian fusion of rhetoric and Barrosian word smithery. Penn here has written a book of the ages, targeting anything and everything we all face in the digital age. BS movement, empty, apathetic drollery of a mass-minded, brood and fermented, enforced agenda and hypocrisy and sycophantic ideologies. It's variously layered, it's hysterical, it's bold, bleakly brutal, it's a delightful inspirational read on how to convey politics, social retardation at its zenith of ignorance. This book is about ignorance and it is a, sublimin a subliminally multi-layered, subconsciously... <sighs> impacting thing it gets into your conscious mind it pushes the boundaries of social form social conformity social representation through literature through not just prose but through structure through narrative through these social commentaries and points and viewpoints and perspectives i adored this book and i cannot wait to read some more from penn and i'm so happy to realize that he's going to continue in this vein of writing with his bob honey book series so I recommend anyone out who's interested in experimental writing or to give Sean Penn a chance. To give him a chance, not because he's Sean Penn, but to give him a chance because everyone's telling us Sean Penn can't write something like this. How dare he? He should stay an actor, film critic, director. Oh, is this all part of a performance piece? No, it's him as an artist growing and doing what he feels comfortable as an, as an artist. He, he's outreaching and he is spreading and he is saying it's okay to be famous, it's okay not to be famous, to have these opinion and to submerge it, or, uh, layer it, tear it, create, just fucking create as dictated by your emotions. And this is born from his emotions, his disenfranchisement, from his position in Hollywood, all presupposed and judgmental zeniths of ignorance layered onto him. And that really plays into the almost metaphysical, metaphysical side of it. It's not a deliberately meta book. It's not breaking the fourth wall in any sense. But you can tell within there, subliminally, whether subconsciously or masterfully or interweaved into this, this tapestry of mad, prosaic, just delightful conveyances of politics and all and everything that I just love as a reader. He is doing something that is making, making an ample point on various avenues of thought and contemplation. He's making a point about those, and I can't say social justice warriors because I don't like that label or template, but those people who view social justice warriors or what a social justice warrior is, he's making ample point and personification by having this book released with his name on and by having released this book in general. It works on so many multi layers that to go on, I will just be accused of ranting. So, out of my 5 out of 5 star rating, this book gets 5 stars. Masterful. Hey everyone, welcome back. Uh, this is me, D.B. Spitzer, the editor and producer of Articulate Warbling with Zach Ferguson. Just wanted to let you know that we're hoping to make this a full-time series and not just a backdoor pilot. So if you would like to help sponsor the show, or if you have anything that you'd be like wanting to donate to help the show keep going... Let us know. PGTTCM.com. 
And where you can reach Zach is in the show notes and also where you can buy his many books. Zach Ferguson. And you can check him out, of course, on Amazon.com where he's got all kinds of wonderful books from Dimension Horse to What Mr. Wants, Mr. Gets. All right, back to Zach talking about Joker with Joaquin Phoenix. So, now, as one warble has fizzled out, let me warble on about another piece of art. Specifically, uh, Joker, written and directed by Todd Phillips, he of the Hangover Trilogy fame. And Todd Phillips here really... um, Proves he isn't a one-trick pony. Uh, Joker is based upon the DC character. uh, But though this is an origin story, it's not an origin story that you think. This film centres on Arthur Fleck, a mentally ill Tourette suffering. um, How all we can say is a loser of society. He's shut on from a great height from all angles. He's a stand-up comedian, or aspiring stand-up comedian. Wouldn't even say he's... (laughs) I can't even really say that he's even an aspiring stand-up comedian, though that's as close as it goes to direct adaptation or inspiration, such as Alan Moore's The Killing Joke. This is very much his own thing. It's about Arthur Fleck's journey. And what I have to tell you is... Could a movie not get any better with its execution of shots, its edit, its its performances? Everything is a medley of perfection and detail. And you can tell a lot of thought went into it, even in the script stages. Todd Phillips has been maturing. There's been a maturation of him as a filmmaker. You could see him wanting to veer out of the comedic... uh, avenues that he found himself pitted within like with his uh, first big success of old school and then such successes with the hangover uh, even with the hangover part three you could see that he wanted to go into crime and gritty territory but it really didn't work he wasn't working with the material that would allow him to shine as a filmmaker and a storyteller and it wasn't until uh, war dogs came out that you really got a sense of this filmmaker wants to be a serious filmmaker he wants to tell compelling stories Stories. That's not just a saturation of lewd crude jokes, and I'm one for lewd crude jokes and comedy, but there's no denying the last two Hangover movies are an atrocity, and no one can really watch that and say that filmmaker is going somewhere. So, with War Dogs, it was a maturation, though it still had that edge, an edge that, you know, based upon its subject matter, it, it allowed uh, Todd Phillips to flourish as a filmmaker, and this movie is slim on the usual visual effects cgi-fied bombast one expects from a film of the superhero genre or the superhero world or a comic book uh you know uh persuasion influence joker is still expected to live up to that and more whether a film like the joker wears its aesthetic and design on its sleeve whether through the marketing and trailers um you can tell that people will go in no matter if it's just jammed down your throat it's an art house film no matter if the filmmaker had a pre-recorded introduction saying this is not like any superhero uh comic book adaptation that you would expect uh people still go in of a mind frame of expecting a marvel movie and we've got to say there's an inundation and 
fatigue going, especially with me. I find I, I think that there's a power in a minority of Marvel films, but the rest are fillers, uh, Easter egg placements to just be part of an agenda. They're too safe. They're it's very blueprinty, and I think the only ones in the Marvel universe that have strict accord is the ones that the characters that we are endeared to, or where the producers allow filmmakers to flourish. And that's you, we've seen that a lot with James Gunn, most specifically recently Taika Waititi. I wouldn't say the Russo brothers. I don't think they they give anything substantially visual to their films. Whereas what Zack Snyder did to the D, uh, DCEU world was he was making it dark. He was living up to the mantle of what DC to comics was. It's detective comics, i.e. bleak comics, dark comics. DC has always been more notorious for its villains, its Batman villains. And the greatest of them all is the Joker. But the DCEU so far has been a mess. Not much to the fault of Snyder, in my honest opinion, but the producers, the marketing, the push to try and get box office numbers in, try and make the numbers that Marvel have done. But the thing is, you're not going to get those numbers. Not if you, you, you try and stand out enough from the masses. And when they try to, you know, conform to the consensus of Marvelfication, you get a movie like Suicide Squad, which is a messy masterpiece in and of itself. I can see a lot within that movie. And then you have the Justice League, the pure personification of a studio rape in a film to fit a design that isn't theirs. So they kind of backtracked and said, what are we going to do? OK, we're going to go for almost all televisions, small contained stories, separate and segregated. And when it was announced that the Joker was being made, I was hostile. I'm like, we can't keep doing this. Is it inundation? And then when I heard Todd Phillips was involved, I was like, no, no. No, no. Then when the material came out and I kind of was warmed to the idea that, you know what, Todd Phillips can make whatever movie he wants. He can be a mature filmmaker. He's not the sum of all the parts that have made his career so far. He's not just a comedic person. He's not that one person who made that one good movie with that weird gritty edge, which was War Dogs. And when it came about what his influences were, well, I was just sold. And then the teaser trailer or the official trailer came out and I was shook. I was excited. I was just mesmerized. The, the, the brutality, the bleakness, the beauty and the almost, you know, there's no denying there's a real almost traditionalist authenticity and aesthetic to this and something so far removed from what we expect. And that is the inundation, fatigue, inducement of boom, bombast, comedy, violence. But, you know, PG-13 violence, violence that's uh, mundane and this is an R-rated character study. If anything, this is an art house film. The stylistic choices of score, edit, performance specifically on Phoenix's part. But there's an issue. And it's proof and evidenced. The audience members were the majority when I saw this first. Was millennials. Those of a new sub-millennial age. They came out obviously shocked. Murmuring. But not in the way that the film, you know, deserves and warrants. And the type of shock that you hope is conveyed, they were very dismissive and ultimately very disgruntled. One boldly stating, it was shit, that was old fashioned, bruv, it was too traditional. And I wanted to scream, yes, and that's why it works. When has a movie ever been accused of being such a thing when its heavily influenced self is influenced by a director as modern and progressive as Martin Scorsese? I was left bristling with heated passion to defend this film, but you know what? 
It's expected. They're of that age. They're of that generation. I myself could be accused of being of that generation, but I like to see myself as a cinephile or a film buff or a geek or anything such and sundry, but I am a huge comic book fan, and specifically the Joker character in the world of Batman. So this, straight away, was really up my alley, and it, it just proves the perfect piece. It's separate from an extended universe it's its own contained thing it is its own passionately made well maintained well mulled over well crafted piece of cinema it is a masterpiece but let's give these young'uns their due it can easily be a film defined as traditionalist as by all means scorsese is very much a tradition traditionalist and you know todd phillips is taking inspiration from taxi driver king of comedy New York, New York, and they are traditionalist films, whilst in their own age and time they were progressive, but still there's that classic traditionalism, and a traditionalism isn't something that's dated, it's something that's not just nostalgic, but it's aesthetically pleasing, and it is very, it is very traditionalist, but they lose these young these young'uns by claiming this film is anything lower than stellar ergo todd phillips applies these traditional cinematic means that elevates this film above the rest of well this a film this film's assumed relation to comic book adaptations and such and sundry this film is definitely not shit and it's a shame these young boys and so many others are so embroiled in the over extrapolated cgi superhero bonanzas that even when viewing an evidently indie flared character study and a piece of art it's still held up against <laughs> that ingrained expectation of a superhero comic book movie type mantle this film is no joke this film is just sensational it's a movie that one could easily say is a sum of all its homages and influenced parts but that won't be fair up on the heads of those who have crafted an extremely immersive and intense lyrical poetical and i really must say though how many <laughs> how many people may take this response as political or signs that i'm a crazed gunman waiting in the wings to cause unnecessary hurt or pain it is a relatively relatable film its handle of mental illness is raw intense and deglamorized as hollywood films do have a tendency to do especially to mental health for people with a long-term invisible illness or condition whether in the vein of victimhood or all-out mania and that ka-ching ka-ching oh i'm all out of my mind type performance this film is a perfect example of allowing actors to act and collaborate and build a film around not gags or action set pieces but intimate and exposing revelations about our least continual mental disintegration but then again or is it mental reawakening and that's the power and perfection of phoenix's performance phoenix has never been an actor that i've gravitated towards i don't think i've seen enough of him and that of which i've seen enough of him in it was the era of his paycheck days and those times i have seen in the movies i have really enjoyed him and then he disappears and he, he is very selective i saw him in the master and that was off the end of having seen him i'm still here that mockumentary centered on himself but there's another thing about phoenix he's a very elastic actor he is very much a chameleon and i think the last time that i was truly engaged with him as a performer was when i saw inherent vice and he has a real great almost spasticity to his body it his performance in inherent vice is so slapstick it's 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 wondrous to behold considering he's of a certain heft and weight he has this great juxtaposition of performance and a physical bearing against his his his, his character's internal struggles he's 
in this movie he's warm yet unnerving intense but he's always emotional his alien disposition and weirdness lends realism and relatability that many cannot quite believe that can build and veer into the excessive of, of hate and hurt such as the Joker does cause and inflict in his long history, not just in the comics, but what you know or assume or consent he will do in this movie. This is what lends its reality in human resonances. A man pushed so far by society, he will ultimately become that of which many would usually assign to a man of his stature and low position in society. He is becoming that of which he is led to believe he is in the first place. There is so much to really to pontificate upon, but I just don't want to ruin this for you. This is proof that DC, cinematically, both of its characters and history can push out films that can reimagine or perfectly define their world and universe in a more m mature, less saturated, less Marvel-fied thing. It's separated, it's more progressive, most definitely as far away and audacious than Marvel is willing to do or to ever do, in, quite in, in all honesty. So, to summarise this, cinema and art are there to illuminate and capture current social climes and hold up a mirror to our society and issues and the people contained with them. And this does this whilst telling what many hopefully will soon feel is a definitive Joker origin story. And it still is part of the Batman universe. It ties everything up together. The set designs, the aesthetic, the costumes, the performances, it is of a rare design. It's beautifully constructed, a uniquely, unashamedly brave film that personifies itself for its score, its edit, design, performances and direction. I'm going to give this film 5 out of 5 stars. It is truly a masterpiece. So, that is the first episode for UC Ranting, I See Articulate Warbling. And I thank, I thank all of you, anyone and everyone... Even if you were forced to listen to this or you just happened across this, I really want to thank you for joining me on this. And I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you are motivated enough to click that subscribe button and to support all and every uh, associated podcast. I want to thank DB Spitzer specifically for pitching this idea and for producing it and for being a great collaborator. And hopefully you'll join me next time where I'll be reviewing another book and another film. Next time I will be talking about Happy by Nicola Barker. And the final film in M. Night Shyamalan's trilogy. Hmm, what is it called? First name Mr. Last name Glass. So, the next episode I will be talking about Happy by Nicola Barker. And Glass by M. Night Shyamalan. Thank you very much. It's not a rant, it's Articulate Warbling with Zach Ferguson, Episode 1, Joker, Bob Honey. Written by Zach Ferguson, produced and edited by D.B. Spitzer, recorded at Badger's Drip Studios in glorious Portland, Oregon. Zach's part is, of course, recorded in Brighton, England. Want to help the show? Go to pgttcm.com. Check out what we've got. Go to Zach's shop uh, on in, in the show notes. Go to Zach's Instagram in the show notes. Find out how to help him out. And of course, Ashton Manor, Darkest Child by Kevin McLeod. So thank you so much and join us next time.